You know how to book flights and hotels. All you're missing is a tool to plan the travel experiences you'll have once you arrive. That's why you need Viator. Book guided tours, activities, excursions, and more in one place to make your trip truly unforgettable. Viator has over 300,000 travel experiences to choose from. Everything from simple tours to extreme adventures and all the niche, interesting stuff in between. So you can plan something that everyone you're traveling with will enjoy. Real traveler reviews give the inside scoop from people who've already been on the experiences you're considering. So you can plan with confidence. Free cancellation helps you plan for the unexpected. And 24-7 customer support means you can travel worry-free. Download the Viator app now and use code Viator10 for 10% off your first booking in the app. Find travel experiences for you. Do more with Viator. Hello and welcome to On Boys, real talk about parenting, teaching, and reaching tomorrow's men. The podcast that explores and explains boy behavior. We're your co-hosts, Jennifer L.W. Fink and Janet Allison. Join us as we discuss some of the most compelling issues facing boys today. Are you stressed about summer and wondering how your family will manage and prepare for what's next? You must check out this special live masterclass series. It's called Parenting in Place helping families thrive in challenging times. And it will feature eight live weekly masterclasses with leading parenting experts, authors, educators, and neuroscientists, including our guest today, Debbie Reber of Tilt Parenting. You will likely recognize some of the other amazing parenting experts, including Michelle Borba, Julia Lithcott-Hyams, Jess Leahy, Devorah Heitner, and our old friend, Catherine Reynolds-Lewis. This eight-week masterclass is called Parenting in Place, and you can find out more information and registration at parentinginplacemasterclass.com. That's parentinginplacemasterclass.com. You don't want to miss this one. It's very affordable and it is going to help you make that bridge between the crazy school year that has ended and summer coming up. So I hope to see you there. It's going to be inspiring and informative. A great option if you are looking for extra support and who doesn't need that right now. All right, let's hear what Debbie Reber has to say from Tilt Parenting. I think it'd be fair to say that we always want to parent from a place of confidence, connection, and joy, but that can be even more challenging when you have a differently wired kid. In fact, at least one in five people today is in some way differently wired. Because many differently wired children have invisible differences, meaning they aren't glaringly obvious, many parents struggle to determine what, if anything, is going on with their child. Then, when you finally learn that your child has ADHD, dyslexia, giftedness, autism, anxiety, or other neuro differences, that's only the beginning of the journey. It can still be challenging to know how to find the best education, how to strengthen family dynamics, 
and how to guide your children to grow into their best selves. Our guest today, Debbie Reber of Tilt Parenting, is passionate about the idea that being differently wired isn't a deficit, it's a difference. Welcome, Debbie. So great to have you here today. Thank you so much for having me. So Debbie, tell us about your son, Asher, who was the catalyst for this journey into differently wired kids, tilt parenting, and helping so many other parents figure out their kids. Yes, he was the catalyst. This was not my plan. I'll just say this was not my career path I thought I'd be on, but uh, I have a son. I have one child. Uh, He's 15 now, and my husband and I discovered pretty early on when he was a little guy and was kind of more intense and more more precocious and more challenging and lots of mores when describing Mm. him uh, that he was just moving through the world in a different way than what was what we were seeing among our friends kids and uh, we started to think you know I think that he's wired a little differently there's definitely some neurological developmental differences in in him and they, as he grew older, they were, they started to create challenges once we entered elementary school. And Mm. so over time we discovered that he's, he's what's called twice exceptional, which means that he is gifted, both gifted and he has uh, some neuro differences, which can be challenging, including ADHD and some uh, executive functioning and sensory issues. And so he is a complicated kid and in, going through this journey, I realized that it's really hard to navigate without a roadmap and that there's actually a lot of us out there, but it's a, it's tricky to figure out a path and a plan when your child doesn't really fit into the box. I want to focus on that for a minute because we, we can go in way many different tangents there, but I hear from a lot of parents in, in that kind of early elementary, preschool, kindergarten, that they're struggling because their child doesn't seem to fit in the path of other kids. And, and it is a sense of confusion and where do I go? Who do I talk to? I have teachers telling me one thing, my gut's telling me something else. Talk a little bit about just how to sort out that confusing time when you are faced with the idea that your kid may be differently wired. Yeah, it is really confusing. I think that's the perfect word because, you know, especially with kids who have, you mentioned in the introduction, more invisible differences, it's not as obvious if something's going on. And so, you know, in many circumstances, your child may act typical or other people say, oh, my kid just a huge tantrum the other night. This is totally normal. But then there'll be circumstances where you're like, wait a minute, this feels a little extreme. This is, I'm not seeing my friends dealing with this level of disruption. My friends can still go out to dinner at a restaurant and not have to leave, uh, you know, making a big scene in the restaurant. Or my friends' kids are, are kind of doing okay in a preschool environment, yet I'm the one getting letters home all the time. So there is this like this period of time where you start to question yourself as a parent. Am I doing something wrong? You're asking around to friends, many of whom want to protect you. And so they try to normalize what you're experiencing by talking about what's hard in their lives. 
Uh, if your child has a good day, when they go to the pediatrician, the pediatrician, which happened with us, is like, oh my gosh, this kid is awesome. Just seems super precocious, but I don't see anything of concern. And so there is this kind of period of time where we're getting all this information, especially if it's your first child and you really just doubt your uh, ability to make good decisions or you start wondering, is this something I'm doing wrong. And it is really hard because you don't know where to turn. You don't know how to get the answers you need. And, and you are getting so much conflicting information, especially, you know, when kids are in that preschool age, once kids hit elementary school, then things start to show up a little bit more. And that's when you get a little bit more insight, like, okay, we need to pursue some more information. The other factor that's so big in there, especially if this is your first child or your first differently wired child, is you really don't know how much of this, is this normal? Is this not normal? Mm -hmm. And as you said, you have friends who will attempt to normalize it because yes, all kids throw tantrums. Some of the differences can be absolutely charming to other people. You have a precocious, highly verbal, engaged child. Mm -hmm. Adults love that. Might not play so well on the preschool playground. Yeah. Mm -hmm. So it's it's very difficult. There's a lot of layers to sort through. I absolutely agree with you. It's very confusing. Talk about the special challenges that are that, especially because we're concerned about boys here. So talk about the special challenges that differently wired boys and their parents face? I think especially when they are younger and the behavior is more disruptive, especially in a school setting, since that's where kids spend so much of their time, you know, it's hard to really sort out what's going on because, you know, with the boys are often more easily identified with things like ADHD and other differences. There's a stereotype that, you know, it's the disheveled boy who's kind of hyper running around or, you know, can't really control themselves, very fidgety. And so, and there's also this sense of like, boys will be boys. Oh, all boys are like that. I heard that so many times, like, that's just the way boys are. And, and so it, it can be really complicated to be like, wait a minute though, you know, first of all, I don't believe that all boys are any one way, mm-hmm. but secondly, how do we kind of look beyond what's showing up as behavior and start understanding what's the reason behind it? So I think for parents of boys who, who if a parent recognizes their child is struggling, it can be hard to get people's attention because they may just dismiss the behavior as being just a boy thing. So, so that's, that is a challenge and it, it is really interesting. And, and, you know, girls have challenges in their own right, because then mm-hmm. a lot of them are under identified as having a lot of neuro differences, autism, ADHD, yet they have it as frequently as boys do. So it, it, it's complicated, but I think boys in particular, there's an expectation in, in a classroom setting that they're going to be not as organized, that they're going to be more, you know, physical and things like that. They, so sometimes their symptoms can be missed for a long time. It's this, it's the more compliant um, student who can sit still and can, and is organized that might be identified for gifted program. Whereas the kid who's uh, disheveled and forgets to turn in homework or it's really sloppy and messy, their learning differences like dyslexia may be completely overlooked. The fact that they may be gifted could be completely overlooked because all 
they're focusing on is the behavior. Mm-hmm. So when it comes to sorting this all out, parents of boys have a lot to deal with. They've got their own internal, not really knowing, do I tr- how much do I trust myself? How much do I trust what everybody else is telling me? Even if my gut is screaming, there's something going on. There may be teachers, educators, even healthcare professionals who are saying things like, you know what? He's just a boy. How do you sort through that? What's your advice for parents? I always tell parents to really trust their gut, that nobody knows their child better than they do. And if you as a parent feel that there's there are some barriers to my child being successful or they're not thriving and, and you feel that deeply that there it's more than, you know, just a child who is acting out or hasn't, you know, is maybe lagging in their social, emotional regulation skills a little bit. I say, just trust that and keep pushing for information. Nobody knows your child uh, better than you do. And it does take the squeaky wheels. It takes, you know, a lot of us, I always say that I know way more about my child's brain than I ever planned on. Sometimes it takes that level of curiosity and really being a detective and reading books and starting to better understand all the the reasons why a child might be disorganized or might be struggling to sit still or might be not reading those social cues and compliantly going along with the program. I mean, we know that all behavior, you know, that would be perceived as inappropriate or disruptive and all of those things, it is 99% of the time not intentional. It's because of a lagging skill. And if there's a lagging skill, there's often a reason for that. And so I really encourage parents to just get super curious and be proactive and push for the information you need and the support you need. And and if people brush you off, then move on to the next person. Mm -hmm. I love that you talk about the process of respectful transparency and really having this communication with your child about what is going on. And of course, age appropriately, but to really have that dialogue with them. I'm wondering how that process kind of developed with Asher. Did that just kind of come naturally or did you just decide, oh my gosh, I have to clue him in on what what his differently wired nature and how that's impacting people around him? How did you come to that? Yeah, that's a really good question. So, you know, when he was really little, like four is when we started going to therapy for anger management, you know, um, family therapy, which was great. Um, and I, you know, he knew that he, we were doing it to help him not have big explosions. And so it was very much a part of that uh, process. And as we went down the diagnostic path and did some evaluations, I can't remember if the very first time when he was five, if we sat him down and said, this is, I'm, I'm quite certain that we didn't, but Mm -hmm. the very first time that we kind of openly talked about a label was we were laying in bed and he must have been maybe six or maybe six, seven. He and I were laying in bed reading a book together and one of the characters had ADHD and he stopped. I I don't remember the book or how it came up, but he, he paused and he said, do I have that? And I said, why do you ask? Are you, do are you recognizing some of yourself in this character? And he's like, yeah, I am. It's like, yeah, actually that's one of the things that we think may be going on with you. It's like, Oh, okay. And then we just went back to the book and, 
And that was really interesting. I mean, he is someone who's always known himself very well and very self-aware. And so we just kind of, in talking with the parent coaches and the specialists that we were working with, I asked a lot of questions like, at what point do we loop him in? What do we Mm -hmm. share? And we were encouraged to, you know, share now. There's nothing wrong with this. And this is long before I started Tilt, but I, it really made sense to me. Like, why would we hide something that is a core part of how my child moves through the world? Why would I surround that with any sort of shame or embarrassment or hide it like it's a secret? Because secrets often feel like they're bad. And so we just decided pretty early on to, to just very, to normalize all of it, to normalize difference labels, all of it. So it's just another part of who you are. Let me ask you this question because kids are by definition, totally normally self-centered. Their Mm -hmm. experience is their experience and it is normal to them. So to Asher, to Mm -hmm. other kids, their way of being and experiencing the world is totally normal. Yeah. So was part of this conversation um, about trying to explain to him that other people perceive things differently. And because they see things differently, they may perceive his preferences in certain circumstances mm-hmm. as a difference or a problem. That has been part of it. I think initially it was more to have to help him have a better understanding of why certain things were harder for him than other people. Or this is why when, you know, something unpredictable happens in class, it's really hard for you to make that transition because the way that your brain is wired, isn't that interesting? So we, we mm-hmm. kind of did it as a way to help him better understand areas where he might be getting stuck or why other kids may not be Mm-hmm. responding, you know, in the way that he would expect. And as he's gotten older, you know, I've talked about difference, you know, among lots of people. And so, you know, if, if he's in a social situation where someone else behaves in a way that he finds really off-putting, you know, he's human. He has a knee-jerk reaction. Well, that kid is this. And I'll be like, oh, you know what? I have a feeling based mm-hmm. on what you told me that this child might have, you know, this going on. And so my hunch is they have no clue that what they're doing is off-putting to you. And so it's just a constant conversation that we have every day about just trying to normalize, embrace difference, accept different ways of being. And, you know, now that he's a teenager too, like recognizing, I think, you know, teens become self-aware. They, they, they're still very self-focused for sure, but they do start thinking about how they are perceived by others. And so that's an opportunity. I want to go back a little bit to this. You sense there's something going on. You're getting mixed messages from other people. And you said, you know, keep pushing. The how, the who to talk to is really challenging and mystifying for a lot of parents. Like, what is my next step? And then, you know, my next question is too, parents are so often limited by resources, both their time to pour into this. It is so time consuming to advocate Mm -hmm. for your child Mm -hmm. and financially, you know, if your health insurance isn't going to cover this testing, then what? Yeah, those are all great questions. And part of the reason why I started Tilt, because I didn't know where to turn and I am a really good researcher 
And I couldn't even figure out what I was supposed to do. I had no clue where to start. I mean, I would say start with your pediatrician. And there are developmental pediatricians who can be a little bit more clued in into knowing what to look for in terms of if they're learning and attention issues that may need to be identified uh, or social delays or other things going on, sensory issues, whatever it is. So start with your pediatrician. But I, you know, the community is really where you get your info. And, you know, I have, I'll just share that I've part of Tilt Parenting, I started this Facebook group called Tilt Together because parents wanted to find each other. And that is like, people are new people every day. I just found this out. I have no idea what to do. And I mean, we need to support each other. We all, I feel like we all need mentorship. You know, we need yes. someone who's down the road to say, do this, call this person, because it is a full-time job to navigate IEPs and insurance and then getting on wait lists and who should do the assessment. It is overwhelming. So start with your pediatrician, start there, reach out to and try to find people who are further down the path and get some guidance. I also would just say, you don't have to do everything at once. I think if we discover we have this realization oh my gosh, this is going on. We feel the sense of we got to get this going right now or we're losing time. And I always encourage parents to just take a deep breath and say, you know what? This episode is sponsored by By Heart. Babies need to eat. And whether you breastfeed or bottle feed, use formula, combine all of the above, you need options. We wanted to let you know about By Heart Baby Formula. Byheart has a patented protein blend that gets the closest to breast milk. It includes two of the most abundant proteins in breast milk. And Byheart actually ran a clinical trial comparing their formula to a leading infant formula and proved that babies on Byheart have softer poops, less spit up, and easier digestion. Byheart is also the only U.S.-made infant formula to use organic grass-fed whole milk. So if you need baby formula for your baby, consider Byheart. New customers can get 10% off your first order by using code ONBOYS at byheart.com. That's B-Y-H-E-A-R-T dot com slash podcast. And it is 10% off your first order. Byheart.com slash podcast. This is a limited time offer and additional terms and conditions may apply. We all know that vitamins can help fill nutritional gaps in our diet, but a lot of us don't like to take vitamins because we don't like swallowing pills. How do you feel about that, Janet? There's some days that I look at my vitamins and go, yeah, I should take those. I'll do it later. But I'll tell you what's changed. I have gotten easy melt vitamins. I have the D3 and I have the B12s and a multivitamin and I just pop them in my mouth and they dissolve and I don't have to think about swallowing a vitamin. And you don't necessarily need water either to have on hand to get this big vitamin now. Yeah, no, and they taste good and they're sugar-free. They melt quickly. The reason they melt is because of plants not chemicals. Ah, plant-based nutrition. For a limited time only, you can receive a free, free three-month supply of Easy Melt Vitamin D3 with your first purchase. 
To claim your free D3, visit try.easymelts.com slash envoys. That's try, T-R-Y, dot easymelts, E-Z-M-E-L-T-S, dot com forward slash envoys. This is information. This is a long journey and good to know. And let's take one step forward to getting support, mm-hmm. to finding out more information. And the truth is, I think we all crave, you know, we want a neat, here you go. This right. is what's going on. This is what you do. This is what you need. You know, Here's it the doesn't answer. exist. Yeah, it doesn't exist. And mm-hmm. so that's important to wrap your head around is to just, realize, okay, there is no handbook for these kids. And the different diagnoses are so, you know, comorbid and like there's so much overlap and it's super unclear. So really it's about trying to identify your child's areas of weakness, trying to learn about what kind of support might help them right now, and then taking one thing at a time. One thing that I have found in my parenting journey, and uh, my oldest son, I'm sure is different from your Asher, but that whole more adjective applied in so many realms from the start. And it's so easy as parents, we're looking for the solution, right? We finally admit to ourselves, something's off, there's a problem, I must solve it. And it's easy to just focus in on that and to see these areas of weakness and what should I do? And it's easy to sometimes miss the child. Yes, there's weakness, but I'm missing and overlooking and forgetting to acknowledge all of these wonderful strengths. Mm -hmm. Talk about that part and your experience with that, both as a parent and then what you tell others now. Yeah, I was very much in that mode, you know, when I first started discovering these areas of lagging skills, I was, you know, suggested to do OT and do executive functioning coaching and do social skills class. And I was like, okay, I'm going to do everything I can. I'm going to do everything I can to get this kid everything he needs so that he can, what I think in my mind, I was like, so that he can get back on the path that I think he should be on. Yeah. Right. So I was very much clinging to this idea that I could quote unquote fix him. So I was in that space for a long time, several years. And I think a lot of parents are because we're conditioned to be that way almost. Right. Mm -hmm. And because what our kids often need isn't evident and it, and it's a lot more work. It seems to be a lot more work, but yeah, go ahead. Our society shows us this path. It shows us this narrow definition of this is how an appropriately developing kid looks, acts, and behaves. And so we all subconsciously want our kids to fit that mold. And you know, part of what you're doing with Tilt Parenting is reminding all of us the continuum is much larger than yeah. we like to admit. Yeah. I mean, there there is no normal and... And that's something I think we all need to embrace. But uh, and maybe what we're going through with this um, 
pandemic and parents are getting to observe their kids uh, learning styles and realizing, oh, this is actually interesting or more difficult for them than I knew. You know, I think all our kids kind of benefit from this. Going back to what you asked me before in terms of, you know, going from fix it mode to, to not, I think ultimately I just realized that he's on his own journey. I certainly recognized his strengths and he has a lot of them. And I started homeschooling him. So that was my personal path, which isn't the path for everyone, but it did give me, give me this opportunity to really see how he learns and what piques his interest and how he can get lost in, in a good way, in a project and go deep. And, and I just started to lean more and more into discovering who he is and I noticed over time that he became more confident and all the skills that I was concerned about, the social, emotional, the executive functioning, he was really open to doing that growth and development because he was being seen and he was being respected and he wasn't feeling defensive all the time because he was getting to learn the way he learned. So it was this like shift in my reframe and in my or in my thinking that it just changed everything it changed mm-hmm. everything for him for me as a parent for our family and th- and that's what i try to help parents do now through tilt when people come to me and and discover our podcast they usually I get I, the fact that people take time to write an email to say, Oh my gosh, like I cried listening to this because I felt seen and understood for the first time. That to me says that parents are, they're stuck in this other path, but it doesn't feel good to them. They know that this isn't right. They know their kids right. are thriving and it's hurting their whole, it's hurting their relationship with their child. And so to do the work on ourselves to challenge the beliefs that we have about who these kids are and who we should be as parents. It takes work. It's not easy. It's uncomfortable because we're really throwing everything out the window and starting over. But when we commit to doing that work, that is when everything can change for our kids. And there's no limit to what they can do when they feel safe and secure and seen. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. It takes work and it takes community because you can't do this on your own. Like you were saying before, you you need somebody that's been down that path before you to say, look, here's, here's what I did. Here's how it is. And just to have that support. And when you have that support as your, as a parent, you can begin to support your child. And Jen and I talk a lot about, you got to start where you are and see your child for who he is. And I think this time of being at home with our kids intensively has opened up our eyes. I've heard from a lot of parents of like, wow, I'm seeing my child in a whole different way. And overlaying that with, oh, you have to do school work. I put in air quotes because, but it offers this opportunity of just like you were saying about Asher to just dive into a project, follow their passions and step out of that, of the have tos. And it must look like this. And it, it kind of just gives me chills because we're really just meeting our children, meeting another human being where they are without Mm -hmm. expectations of who they should be. 
We are going to pause for a moment in this episode with Debbie Reber because I want to tell you about an event that is happening right now as you're hearing this episode. It is early June and there is an event happening that you need to know about. It is the Parenting in Place Masterclass. Debbie Reber is one of many expert speakers that will be sharing their wisdom with you, giving you tips and strategies for how to navigate this summer ahead of us. And it is available to you. You just need to go to parentinginplacemasterclass.com. You'll see all the speakers there and get registered. You do not want to miss this. We hope that you will take advantage. It's eight weeks of incredible wisdom to share with you to help you be the best parent you can be and the best parent that your kids deserve. Back to our conversation with Debbie. Debbie, Mm -hmm. I know that you wrote about on um, your website about how one of the big shifts for you when you started homeschooling was really learning to let it go. And we could play the clip of Snoop Dogg listening to uh, Let It Go in his car. If you haven't seen it, it's great because even Snoop Dogg needs this inspiration. But uh, that was what I learned through, we ended up homeschooling too, likely for very similar reasons. Like you, I don't think it's the answer for everybody, but it was this first opportunity for me to really question all these things that I had been taught, this is what you need to do to be successful, to learn a different path within a week of our son being home from school. So homeschooling him for that very first time. We took him out halfway through first grade. Um, It became so apparent to me because, well, he told me in a fit of anger that he hates being asked to read aloud. You know how in first grade they send the books home and you're supposed to read to your parent? He hates that. He blew up at me and he said, I just want time to figure it out in my own brain first. That's totally reasonable. But he had never been in an environment where he felt safe to say that before. And so we backed off from that, gave him the space to work it out in his own brain first, continued to do a lot of reading aloud. He continued to listen to a lot of audiobooks. And I'll never forget the day, maybe a month or so later, where he snuck down the stairs after bedtime to inform us he read his first chapter book all by himself. So there's such power in, Janet, what you said, meeting our kids where they are. If we stop trying to fit them all into the same little box, pretty amazing people. They are. And I think it's really hard to make that choice to say, I'm going to reject all of this. I'm going to reject the authoritarian parenting. I'm going to you know, reject this kind of discipline. I'm going to reject prioritizing or valuing compliance. I'm going to reject all of these things. We were often raised that way, right? So we're rejecting our own style that we were raised with. We're rejecting oftentimes societal norms. There's just so much. And so it feels really scary to, to just say, you know what, I'm going to choose to do something different. And that's hard for a lot of parents to come to that, especially if they don't have the support of family members, maybe their partner or their friends to, to go through this with. But 
I agree with you. I mean, we just, we care about the absolute wrong things. And I, I talked about this in my TEDx talk that we, you know, we value disruptors as the innovators, the people creating, you know, new products and solving the big problems of the world. We Disruption is a buzzword. Our kids are disruptors because they're nonconformists. They see the world differently. They're going to challenge authority. They're going to question everything. Isn't that what we want? But when they're little, that's not okay. We want right. them to be quiet. We want them to be compliant, to follow the rules and to not question anything. I that's had to... Rem- mind myself of that as a parent. I remember having conversations with his dad when he's like, you know, two and three, and you're like, these are going to be great characteristics in an adult if we don't kill him first. Yeah. Because it's really <laughs> difficult to parent a persistent child. It's very difficult to parent a teenager who you have accepted all of this and you've taught him to question things and uh, not necessarily accept all of the social norms. And suddenly that comes back on you as a parent. It's not an easy path. Worthwhile, in my opinion, yes, but not easy. It's not easy, agreed. But I believe it can lead to such deeper relationships with our kids because our relationship is rooted in respect. You know, a friend was talking with me last summer. She has a son a similar age, and she asked what we do for punishment when, you know, my son does something he's not supposed to do. And I was like, he doesn't really do things he's not supposed to do because we're just, we just, that's not how we operate. And she could not, that did not compute because they had a very different parenting style. But for us, we're, you know, we respect, we collaboratively problem solve, we talk about things, we explain, we use every challenge as an opportunity for growth and deeper awareness. And as a result, we feel super connected with each other. And I think that's one of the many gifts of having a differently wired kid is they demand so much more from us, but when we give it to them, what we can have together can be so much deeper. Talk about your book, because you have a book called Differently Wired. And, you know, a lot of our parents listen to podcasts, but then there's also the stack of books on the nightstand that is waiting to be read or is picked up and read in short doses. So tell us about Differently Wired. Well, thank you. So, yeah, Differently Wired is a book that I wrote for for really all parents, but I, I really wanted... I had two goals with it. One is I wanted to change the bigger conversation around neurodivergence. I really don't believe that our kids should be seen as outliers or as problems in need of fixing. I believe that we should be embracing all these different ways of being and that we need to get rid of the stigma associated with neurodivergence. And so that was kind of my big mission was to change the conversation around the water cooler. The other mission was to help parents do this work of reframing their thinking. And so the way that I created the majority of the book, I broke it down into what I call tilts. And each tilt, it is the kind of thing you can dive in and read a chapter. Um, They're pretty short. And each tilt is a concept, an idea, a reframe that I challenge readers to embrace in their lives. Because when we do this 
reframing and we challenged the belief systems that we have, these assumptions we had about who our kids should be, what their lives should look like, then really that's when the magic happens. So some of those tilts, you know, the very first one we've talked about, it's called question everything you thought you knew about parenting. And we have to do that. We have to actually get really clear on what beliefs do I have? Are those really true? Is that really working for my family? And then how can I, how can I shift that? Um, And another one you mentioned, let it go. One of them is actually to let go about what others think of you and your parenting. And that's a big button for a lot of people is feeling (laughs) judged from from other parents about who our kids are or the choices we're making. And we really do need to let go of that so we can show up for the child that we have. Well, and what I love, I'm thinking about, we've had a previous guest named Sassy Harvey on the show and her son is a dancer and she began this whole movement, hashtag my boy can dance and my boy can. And it came from her child who was living life differently. Love that our children call us as their parents and as other adults to step up into the world in a different way. And Asher certainly has done that for you. And you in turn have helped so many parents step into that role that their children are calling them into. And so where else can people find you? You've got your book and Tilt Parenting is your website. Yeah, it's tiltparenting.com. And I'll just say that's where you can find the podcast, which I have just released episode 209. Yes, there's a lot of of high five on (laughs) podcasting. (laughs) Uh, So I love doing the podcast. And then I also have been really trying to build out resources. So I have a new section called Tilt Education where parents can search for schools that have been crowdsourced by this community that might work well for different types of learning. Uh, Also resources for educators because we need to get them up to speed. Yeah, just a ton of resources on how to tap into our community. And then I'm on all the social media places and at Tilt Parenting. But that that group I mentioned earlier, people are looking for more kind of engagement. It's called Tilt Together and that's on Facebook. They all subscribe to this philosophy of optimism and positivity and really showing up for our kids. So it's a great place to to crowdsource suggestions and referrals for therapists or to just say, oh my gosh, I had the worst day of remote learning ever. And this is what happened. What do I do? And you'll be flooded with responses. I'll put links to all of these things in the show notes. So if you don't remember the name, you can just go over to onboyspodcast.com and I'll have it. So you can just click and go directly to the Facebook group. I know for myself, part of the value of groups like that like ours, Janet, is just realizing you aren't alone. There are 4,000 people in that group, and I'm guessing they are from all around the world. So this problem, problem, I'm putting in air quotes also, that you thought in the beginning was maybe because you were doing something wrong, it's not the case. This is just a thing. This is your life. This is your son. And you can all have an amazing, wonderful life. Yeah. I talk about joy, confidence, and peace. Those are the things that I believe we can all have in our parenting journey. And it's so nice to not be fighting who our kids are and just like embrace who they inherently came into the world to be. 
Thanks for joining us. We are Jennifer L.W. Fink and Janet Allison, and we are here to support you in parenting and teaching tomorrow's men. You know how to book flights and hotels. All you're missing is a tool to plan the travel experiences you'll have once you arrive. That's why you need Viator. Book guided tours, excursions, and more in one place. There are over 300,000 travel experiences to choose from, so you can find something for everyone. And Viator offers free cancellation and 24-7 customer support for worry-free travel. Download the Viator app now and use code Viator10 for 10% off your first booking in the app. Find travel experiences for you. Do more with Viator.